0: Hey, this sounds like a good uh, good time to start right now. I got quiet. You guys ready?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, this is uh, the last session of our, um, what, our spring session? spring session? How does that sound right, doesn't it? Next week is Memorial Day uh, holiday, next Monday. And so we will not be here. And then we'll start right back up in June. Does that sound okay? We're going to be on the last part of our introduction to spring our spiritual warfare. Uh, This is part three of our introduction. uh, and It's dealing with the schemes of the devil and then we'll uh, get into a little bit more of the expository work of this. So that's what we'll do for the summer. Uh, Let's let's read the text. uh, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There was a pastor who said uh, uh, a lot of Christians would be more happier if they were able to say or hear these particular words that I'm going to read to you. I don't know, he might have been a disgruntled pastor on a Monday morning or something when he wrote this, but uh, it's a, a little ha-ha, but at the same time that you have to wonder if there was something personal here. Uh, this is kind of uh, where verse four, uh 14 starts, or actually kind of this whole text. Lay back and relax with the belt of evasion. Buckle loosely around your waist with the breastplate of defensiveness in place and with your feet fitted with pluralism that offends no one. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of grudges with which you can hold on tightly to hurts. Take the helmet of entitlement the bludgeon of the flesh, which is the uh, word of anger, and air what's been done to you with all kinds of criticisms and complaints. <laughs> this was a pastor <coughs> that uh, wrote these words down based off of the opposite meaning here in our Ephesians 6. He said that tongue-in-cheek, but I have to wonder if there was probably a lot of truth in it Uh, knowing what was going on in his church. We don't know. But anyway, we can kind of get the idea that uh, the armor is a very... It's a positive thing, but it means that we really have to fight and we really have to war and struggle. It's uh, sometimes not favorable things that we do, but uh, we know it's real and we know that uh, this is our journey, this is our life, and uh, this is why we are spending quite a bit of time on this text because it's really important to uh, realize it. We've we've read it, we've heard it, we realize it, but uh, we go through each day sometimes kind of forgetting about that warfare that we're really in. We face a relentless, subtle, intelligent, powerful foe that is very much against us because we are on the other side. So how is it that the devil is so active. He's active. The only thing is, he doesn't know he's been beaten. Um, There has been a victor over him. And, um, of course, we wait for that time when it's all shown. But uh, there almost seems to be no limit to all the different ways that the devil tries to destroy the works of God. And uh, he gets at us because we are the ones who proclaim him. And we are his people. So he does things on a big scale, national scale, international, worldwide, universal, and he also does things on individual basis, and that's you and I. And of course, that's where we come in. He wants to put Christians into a state of bondage. Of course, we've been taken from that bondage, but he wants to put them in uh, um, a depression, for instance. We were kind of talking in that area. Being unhappy, he wants to make people unhappy. He's really good at that, and uh, or he can make them happy, and uh, they're not based on real, true happiness. We, but we have to take seriously this this war. It's it's intense, and it's hard, and we're involved with, and there's a reality here, and we're not talked enough uh, by people today about this issue. It's all how things are so good. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, we do have this terrible struggle.
2: Well, you said at the beginning of the introduction that that he doesn't know he's been defeated. Is that he doesn't know, or that he does know that he is going to be defeated?
0: He is fighting immensely. Um, I don't know if he knew what happened at the cross, ultimately, or even if he thinks that he has been, or it's been said that he's conquered, he's not going to try to allow anything good to happen whatever it is, we know that he knows the word, but yet at the same time...
2: Um, well, then if he knows much, the word, then he knows that he's been defeated.
0: But then how much of it does he know as far as what we know is uh, with the Holy Spirit in us, though?
1: <laughs> so... Yeah.
0: Um, the Puritans stressed uh, the spiritual war uh, very much in their writings. Either it be the war that we have against the flesh. Um, A lot of times they wrote on what we're dealing with, the war against the devil. And we're involved in this frequently. John Bunyan wrote that great book, Pilgrim's Progress, which, how many here have read that? A lot of you. If you haven't read it, read it. Because outside of the Bible, it's one of the most, I think, compelling books about what our Christian life is about. And uh, it deals with anything from false teachers to uh, all the different kind of struggles to spiritual warfare. Everything that you've gone through, are going through, will go through, it's right there. And, uh, of course, he, he wasn't an apostle, uh, but uh, that book has held in high esteem outside of the Bible. Uh, it's probably been the best-selling Christian book or of any book ever Uh, goes back to the 1600s and uh, so it's an incredible book Um, it's a man that uh, was in the city of destruction and he ran from there Uh, he ran from his family and uh, that city to find relief and the relief was found at the cross and then uh, his uh, burden was dropped there as he saw what uh, Christ had done for him and he struggled all throughout the rest of his journey of the Christian life. And it's our story. Everyone can identify with uh, Pilgrim's Progress because that's where we have been, are going. Uh, there was another great Puritan um, known for his uh, great work called The Christian Incomplete Armor. Big, thick book about like that on Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. How many have read that one? How many have heard of it? Okay. Classic, classic, classic book. And if you really want to get into the depth of this, uh, you'll find it there. Sometimes I think, uh, and I think some people say the same thing, that he can go uh, maybe a little bit further with it than maybe it should go. But when you spend that much time you're you're probably going to get some elements there that uh might steer you away from the text, but uh very good work on it. Uh Richard Sibbs, uh another great Puritan, uh wrote the um Souls Conflict. I was talking to Zach earlier, he uh read the book called The Bruised Reed, and that's really the conflict that we have just in our the the Christian's life, basically. But again, that's what uh the Puritans wrote about. You don't get a lot of writing on that today because it seems so negative and it's not as upbeat as what you would like because it uh, shows that uh, we are sinners and we are to uh, battle and battle very hard against uh, the wiles of the devil. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book in the 1900s. Remember that century? (laughs) This was probably about 60 years ago when he wrote that one. But this is a classic. It's still a bestseller. And I can say that here in this store. I don't know how many copies we have sold of um, the screw-tip letters. But it's been around a long time. gives you an idea of the reality of the warfare that the Christian has and all really the, the different ways that the enemy schemes and uh, works against us. So there are some. Uh, There are other books out there that I'd never recommend and they uh, concentrate on spiritual warfare but it's not necessarily biblical spiritual warfare. Uh, A lot of the things that are uh, not really necessary. But we do have an urgent call to take heed, to be aware of the enemy and to be putting on that armor. Um, Why don't we... uh, Begin with uh, prayer. We're going to be going into the Word of the Lord, and at the same time, we want to go to the Lord of the Word. Father, we uh, praise you and we thank you for your Word, for your Spirit, and as we again enter into your Word that deals with uh, a topic that is so realistic to all of us that uh, it be made clear to us how we are to stand firm. There are many schemes that are drawn up against us as the body of Christ, as individuals. And as we uh, realize that further and further in our walk, uh, that we would uh, be strong. Be strong in the Lord. And that is where we get our power. All the might comes from Him. And as we uh, look at uh, your many scriptures uh, that you have for us tonight, that uh, it would be put indelibly into our minds and our hearts who you are and what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> in our uh, text, i uh, got basically one phrase there. It's on the title there, The Schemes of the Devil. and It's really kind of putting a whole synopsis of verses 10 through 17 kind of together as we approach it. We've seen last week we were dealing with uh, the doubts, the fear that uh, Satan will put on Christians, false teaching, evil thoughts, even when you're uh, at your highest, when you're in prayer, when you're reading the Bible, uh, a thought can come out of nowhere uh, and get you off track and be thinking about things you shouldn't be thinking about. Say, where does that come from? Um, depression, uh, another great tool of, of uh, the enemy, uh remarkable manifestation of the devil is to bring on depression on people they can look back in the past or look at themselves now Uh, they keep looking back at uh, that and they become depressed and can't get out of that a sense of failure then uh, can ride over them and um, seems like everything is completely hopeless and uh, of course we talked about the um, giant of despair uh, the castle where uh, uh, pilgrim a Christian was at uh, as he was in that castle, and he realized that uh he had the key. I have the key, I have the key what 's the key? The word of God, I have that the promises are here. what am i doing self loathing and and so the next thing you know he's he 's out of there I has the key hope there is hope there uh discouragement we can become so discouraged so easily. Even when we're serving the things of the Lord, and then when we start looking at um, maybe the numbers, maybe the numbers just don't seem good enough, or uh, I just am not doing enough, or come discouraged from the different uh, what can you say walls that come up in front of us. Uh, pride is another one, and of course. That that is a, a great tool of the enemy because that's what got him into trouble, wasn't it? His pride. And, but he uh, definitely will use that to puff people up uh, with uh, their great knowledge. Uh, instead of depression, he will use pride on the opposite end. And even though it's coming from the same angle, um, in First Timothy 3:6 it said, "Never put a man into a high position who has been recently converted, because uh, that would be uh, another scheme of the devil that he could be uh, used in that uh, pride." Uh, that mankind has that can uh, come from Satan, can lead to jealousy, can lead to envy, can lead to grudges. And so, therefore, Satan has uh, a great handiwork, and uh, his his handiwork is to spoil God's handiwork, such as grace, salvation. And, uh, saved by grace alone, uh, the enemy can play on the ugly pride, and all of a sudden, uh, people become... Um, more dependent upon their own works and their own service and duties that they've done. And so the enemy uses that, even when we're doing good things. That's how tricky it is. Morals, the enemy will uh, use that as another way to get at uh, people. He will tempt mankind and his rousing lust and passions that come his way, all the evil desires. And uh, he also... Can attack bodies. Um, and what I mean by that, he can cause a blindness, um, he can cause deafness, uh, he can even cause death. Um, go to Job chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And this is all under the sovereignty of God. We tried to stress that last week. So we, we can't forget about that. God is always control here. He can only do things in whose permission? God's permission. In Job two
1: <coughs>
0: Verse six and seven. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life that's Job. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Uh, we know the severity of the uh, the things that Job had to go through in, in this book of Job. And he even got to the point where he deplored the fact that he was ever even born into this life. And uh, it was a, a terrible thing to be in that kind of situation. But... Um, Satan actually did that; he can do that, but it's always going to be under the permission of God um, let's look at Luke thirteen
1: <coughs>
0: verse ten this is where there is a woman who's crippled is teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no ways rise herself up. And Jesus saw her. He called her to him, said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, glorified God. Uh, we have a spirit there uh, that is working and so this physical ailment might have come more than just, um, something natural. Um, there's a, a demon evidently that has influenced this situation. But, um, here Jesus just declares that she has been healed from that. And, uh, so that's it. Verse, um, verse 16. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, Jewish lady, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. So there we have it clear there. Satan bound her up in that infirmity. So he can do those kind of things. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Paul even says, when one has who has been involved in the church and have done immoral acts, There has to be church discipline put on them. And he tells them to put a person out of the church and turn him over to who? It's an incredible statement, isn't it? Why would God tell Paul to tell them to do that? Uh, Because of the sin that was involved, there is to be discipline done. In 1 Corinthians 5.5, you'll see this. just to get the context, verse 1 says, actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. They don't even do these kind of things. That a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed is absent in your body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present. Him who has so done this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Quite a, quite a thought there. Delivering him over to this kind of sentencing. And thrusting him, taking him, putting him all away into the uh, satanic world, if you may. And that would be just more or less just letting him be, not on the protection of the church anymore. There is a protection being in the body of Christ, and we have the prayers of the saints, we have the Word of God around us, and when one is put out there now, um, they don't have uh, the protection of that church. Um, they are out in the world. They feel that system, and they feel the satanic system oppression upon them. Uh, it would desire you would desire that that person then would get on their hands and knees and repent of their sin, and this is a a terrible sin, and not even the Gentiles would do. So turn one over to Satan. Uh, how about Second Corinthians twelve seven? Here you have Paul, a believer, Paul the apostle. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. To keep him from pride, God gave him uh, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. That is powerful to realize that God would actually do that. He can use the enemy... For our own good, Romans eight twenty eight, God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's how great of a God He is. He can even use Satan, and He does, to bring upon judgment, to bring upon correction, or just to keep one from going into pride, like the apostle. And Paul had prayed, and uh, I think what three times. And God never took that from him. He said, "My grace is sufficient for you.
2: Yes. There's also that parallel passage in First Timothy, parallel to that First Corinthians passage. Um, Alexander, who, I'm, who I, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme.
0: Handed over to Satan?
2: There's more than one example.
0: That's a terrible sin, blasphemy. Yeah. Those are difficult passages. I'll say. And uh, so what question to ask? Yeah. <laughs> if somebody walked off the street, they'd think you were crazy talking about but if you don't get the context so we see that um, Satan can work on your mind as we've talked about putting doubts and fear and evil thoughts and false teaching and depression discouragement and pride and all those Uh, so the mind the emotions and in our actions he's he can be involved in all of those and uh, that's a supreme activity that the that devil does is he works on the mind of man the most so we have to be very careful remember how relentless he is now let's go into a little bit of the nature of, of his attacks his schemes here the wiles of the devil that's found in the end of verse 11 my version has wiles I think I use schemes Strategies is another one. Another good definition for it. Your versions probably have different ones. Anybody have uh, an interesting one? What
1: verse are
0: you in? That's at the end of verse eleven. The wiles of the devil, schemes of the devil. How's he attack? Well, he attacks by using schemes. These plans. He's scheming against us. We're engaged in a terrible warfare. It doesn't seem like it at times. Most of the time, it doesn't even seem like it at all. Most of the time, the storms really aren't here, are they? We have a lot of storms that come through, and it seems like it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 30 days a month lately, doesn't it? But really, you wake up of a morning, and sometimes the sun is out there. You know that, hey, there's a good chance of it raining. And we'll probably get rain tomorrow. We'll probably get it Wednesday. We'll probably get it Thursday. Um, but what about those days when we have sunshine? You know, th- This is just taking a, a physical element, something that we have, you know, and it's, the storms really don't last that long. We have them come through and boom, they're gone, and uh, you know we wait for the next one. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, before we close tonight, we want to say a special prayer for uh, the people down in Joplin and all the ones who've been involved in uh, terrible catastrophe. Worst one since 1947, they are now saying. And the death toll I heard on the national news earlier was 110 people now they have found dead. And there probably could be more under the rubble. So we want to make sure to keep those guys in prayer. Yeah, some have been found alive. Hope they find a lot more alive. Make sure. Uh, has anybody thought? I wonder if that came from the devil or just come from the Lord? you
1: know? <laughs> so you're talking about the storms? Not the natural rain and stuff like that. But although still constantly assess what the damage that's been done from those storms and stuff like that too. And I think that's the same thing that we do in our spiritual life. We need to assess what was the damage that was done. You know. What. You know. Did we win mean, or did we lose out of those storms? That be... yeah
0: that's uh that's a matter of fact kind of later on when uh we get into the uh the routes the routes of the attack and we yeah that leads right into that well uh, uh, self examination but yeah. it's about watching yeah. you have to watch even after you've been hit, that's another way of being able to watch. You want to be able to watch beforehand before it happens, but even after it's happened. Um, we know that he's subtle. Uh, how's the word uh, pronounced? His subtlety? I almost want to say the, <laughs> the subtlety. Subtlety. Um, go to Second Corinthians 11.3. Boy, the Bible has a lot to say about the enemy. We don't spend a lot of time on it, but it's here. And I find it... Constantly through Scripture. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, see, minds, may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. There... we know he's saying the serpent deceived Eve. He works through deception. He is very subtle. He doesn't come around with his horns and his uh, that typical look that we always have in those pictures and that we know, oh, that's, that. he introduces himself. Hey, I'm the devil. I'm here to cause you trouble. It doesn't really easily operate that way. Uh, a lot of times you don't even know that uh, you're even being bothered by him or his cohorts. When we say the devil, it's his whole teamwork. He can only be at one place at one time. He is not omnipresent. He is not equal to God in any manner or form. God uh, created him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Oh, how would you like to have Paul writing that to you? I'm doing this as a test. You have a test. You have a test coming here. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. There he mentions it again. I think Paul was very well aware that he was in warfare, he mentions it a lot. And uh, there he might have gone back to uh, maybe some of the uh, the sin and then morality. And in Second Corinthians, he's saying, "Okay, now if there is a sense that now you can, where well, you're supposed to forgive, then you forgive. I forgive along with you, bringing back into the fellowship. Uh, uh, Satan can take advantage of not only him but all of you, you know, the whole church." So
1: I think though is that me like Paul. It was because he understood the schemes uh, of his enemies that he didn't take personal to the people or the things that the people did to him. He understood who his enemy really was through that.
0: We battle not against flesh and blood.
1: But he, he, and I think that's maybe where, you know, Paul had a hard life, but maybe that's why he didn't get power with it is because he knew he was still the enemy.
0: As he was being persecuted, being put into jail, stoned, left for dead, you yeah. know. Go to 2 Timothy 2.26 and he talks about um, that again in uh, the pastoral letter. Quite frequently he does mention it. We can pick it up in um, verse 24. A uh, servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition... If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the... Here's where we want it right here. The snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. You ever seen that verse before? Woo! Um, He says that they would come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. He sets traps. I don't know if you guys are having any trouble, but boy, I am battling the moles. Does anybody have mole problems? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm about to come to that conclusion. Just Let them go. <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's anything that can get them.
1: All that he had to drown some of those down in there, <laughs> and
0: there was one laying out in the driveway this morning. Carolyn said, "Look, <laughs> you
2: win this round.
0: We won one. Eldon, one of them. One of them, We know one of them's gone and dead now. <laughs> I've never beat one in my life. Yeah, they're really, they're really crazy this year. They are schemers. I'm telling you. Yeah.
2: Well, this is such a rich passage of of, of reform theology that. God may perhaps grant them repentance.
0: Exactly. Did you guys notice that one? that stick out at you when I read that? I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. That's Beautiful. right. We can't even work up repentance. He has to grant that to us. He gives us repentance. That's how great of a God that we have who gave us repentance, uh, the sorrow for sin and the desire to turn away from those evil things because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. How can we repent? When we are dead, we can't. But he grants us repentance. He grants us faith, also in other passages we see. Faith and repentance are requirements for salvation, and they all come from the gracious God. Glad you said that, because Paul definitely uh, was not afraid to uh, mention um, doctrines of grace throughout Scripture. And there is another one right there. They are doing the will of Satan, and he says perhaps. God will grant them repentance. How about Second Thessalonians chapter two? We're not going to go through all of these. I had right there. We have really taken a lot of time just on this, but um, it is everything's so rich through here. Any part of Scripture is so rich. Second Thessalonians two eight. you ever heard of this one? And the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of His mouth and destroy with the brightness of His coming. The coming of the lawless one. Here's what we want to concentrate. According to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And then look at this. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. These are hard passages that we're looking at tonight. You Usually don't um, get these verses as young Christians um, And there's a time and a place for these, but these are found throughout Scripture. If you read Scripture, you're going to run into them. Uh, It's not that we're just trying to hunt things down. It's all over the place. Paul knew his battle. And those are just a few. Uh, That's just a few that we're we're looking at there. Now, that's just through his subtlety. How subtle he is, as we see through those. Um, His schemes are manifested... How how are they manifested? Well, I like to use the word mask. He masks himself. He looks different in all sorts of different occasions. And he uses these over and over and over again, just in different ways. If he can put a mask on, it's hard to uh, tell what's really behind this disguise. One of them is that he transforms himself as an angel of light. Uh, go to Second Corinthians 11, verse 13. We were in 11 earlier. But, uh, this goes a little bit further. Funny he'd be talking about this to the Corinthians, isn't it? He wrote a scathing letter here in Second Corinthians. He had to correct them in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. They were saying things that he wasn't an apostle and that he really wasn't for real. He was false. So he has to clarify to them that he is an apostle of Christ. And uh, here in 2 Corinthians 11, he is warning them of uh, what can happen. Verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers or servants or deacons of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. So uh, the mask, uh, again, very deceiving, uh, looking good, looking really good. Ministers of righteousness they even appear to be.
1: (laughs) That pastor earlier you were reading from, you think that's what he got a hold of in his church? I don't know.
0: Sometimes the enemy appears as a friend. As a friend. Um, How did he appear to Eve? Come in there like a lion? Trying to scare her? This snake actually looked, must have looked beautiful, that she'd even have attention. Uh, and listen. You would think if there was a snake, you'd want to get out of there, right? And uh, she talks with a snake, so he can come as a friend and um, make one be comforted. Yeah. Counselor. Um, Satan will suggest things. He won't ram it down your throat. He will just make suggestions. What did he say to Eve. Has God, has God said? Just you know, just throw that out there. Has God really said that? He just insinuates, right?
1: He insinuates.
0: Or, or then he can come as a roaring lion, as Peter said, and that's really scary. Uh, hard and heavy, Satanic attacks, heavy threats, makes you fear and tremble. it can come that way. Uh, he can come in quoting scripture. He did it to Jesus. He'll do it to his people and make one think that he's on the right side. Uh, we know Jesus kept quoting scripture and then Satan would uh, quote the scripture, but he wouldn't get it exactly right. Would he had twist it just enough to make it work for his own good. But he lost. <laughs> uh, the, I think one of the best ways that he... Uh, does I think probably the most clever is to conceal. He conceals himself. If he can make people think that he doesn't exist, then he even can work better. He hides himself. Or like he's not really here. No mention of the devil at all. So therefore, it's it's more comforting to not have to think about the devil, isn't it? And so here we are talking about these kind of things, and I know nobody's going to be here next week because of this.
1: <laughs> Holiday.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys for staying with it. But uh, the liberal churches of today, they are not going to talk about Satan. I mean, people will be leaving their churches. They are already though, aren't they? Hmm, the Word of God is not being preached, huh? Um, if If he can get God's people or professing people to think that there is no such thing as the devil, no personal devil, it's just evil, but no real personal devil, then he's won quite the battle, hasn't he? If, uh, you, can th- if, if you are under attack and you don't know it, you have the enemy in your own country,
1: <laughs>
0: and um, and it's not been announced, And they're taking uh, a little area along with another area. I can think of um, the Muslims, the way that they've operated for hundreds of years. They go in and take a little tiny area. And not too long after that, they have that area. And then they go in and they take another area and they start around the city in the suburbs. And then they work in and they get inside. And from what I've understood... There is a city in Michigan that has pretty well been taken over. Uh, Johnny and Frida, do you happen to know which city I'm talking about? One of them is actually kind of Detroit. They've worked on the outside, on the fringes there, and they have people in high places, and so they work that way. And, of course, they start building their mosque, and now they have uh, Sharia law coming into play. They
1: break break down the Constitution, and the the government the
0: Mm-hmm. and if you don't have a war with them in your own country at least you don't know about it next thing you know you look around and, and uh, the enemy is living right there with you uh, they have done this with European countries they are doing it in England they are doing it in France if you will just look at history that is what has happened I'm not trying to scare anybody but um, if you don't know you have a battle with the enemy Satan uh, just think of all the damage that he can do and you never know it and then you look at it, and um you're in I think desperate trouble.
1: Those people that are believers inside the church they're having psychological problems because they don't realize there is an enemy there they're fighting again, and I think they head off to the local psychiatrist to get some kind of drugs to try to soon you know, you know, I mean, to mm-hmm. take care of all of their troubles to get a quick
0: answer, a quick fix
1: really And the word
0: of God is what's going to be able to be the balm in Gilead. The word of God is what is going to heal those people.
1: You're talking about Dearborn?
0: Yeah, Dearborn, Michigan. You're you're aware of it. Yeah. I think Dearborn is uh around the Detroit area. And uh did did they not uh did they have a mayor who was also uh, Muslim? Or not so sure about that, but uh kind of interesting, but that's kind of how they they've been known to work just historically i'm just I'm not saying they're taking over, but um that's how they've done in the past. What's that I was Ed was kind of filling me in on what was happening in Dearborn. He knows a lot about what's happening up there. Christians get arrested for giving the gospel there. Uh, they've got a lot of videos. You can go on YouTube and watch them all over the place. <coughs> uh, kind of interesting. Uh, so the whole police force and people in high places there, um, you're outnumbered. <laughs> you don't, I think, Audrey, you've seen that on uh, YouTube before. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the movements in the church, or you could say not necessarily in the church, but they're considered to be kind of like, parallel with Christianity, but they're not really real, um, cults, or heresies. Uh, the enemy works through false religions. And if he can get them to look like truth, only not be truth, he gets to be worshipped that way. And that's a, that's a thing that he loves. He loves to be worshipped. And people don't even know they're worshipping him.
2: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we... Tell someone that their cult is of the devil, boy, oh boy, that's kind of mean. It's pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> what if you what if you said we're going to have to hand you over to the devil? That'd be pretty. They might
2: already have been handed over. <laughs> 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 it's scary when you think about it.
0: Oh, you know. this war is really, really hard.
1: But then you also snatch away the word of God that first
2: just for entertainment, uh, if you listen to James McDonald's message today on on his website or on the internet, where I'm walking the word, you'll, you'll hear his example of what happens when a Jehovah's Witness comes to his neighborhood. What
1: happens
2: when what? When a Jehovah's Witness comes to his door in, in his neighborhood, he's very protective. Like a parent that
0: is uh, uh, telling a uh, drug dealer to sc- scram. Yeah. He's a shepherd. He's got to watch uh, over his people, his his flock. Yeah.
2: Well, You remember Absolutely. what happened to Franklin Graham when he called <laughs> Islam an evil religion. Mm-hmm. You know, <coughs> Well, it jumped all religion, over it. I mean, they just... <coughs> Yeah.
0: But the world's not going to understand that, are they? They're not going to st- understand... All these things that we're saying here, a lot of the people in the church are going to have a lot of difficulty with just the scriptures that we just read. We're not giving a lot of comment on these things. I, 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 we don't get David
1: Douglas and our neighborhood either somebody checking him down to talk to him. He sits outside trying to get him to come up to the door. <laughs> <laughs> he to dad and they went to their church and they kicked him out of his church. Their church because... He figured that
0: he should have equal time and he got up and he
1: said what he thought and asked him to leave. Ask him to leave, yeah.
0: <laughs> What's the definition of, of a heresy? There's heresies, then there's cults. Are there any differences? Yeah, there is. A heresy is where you have a denial or a, a doubt about a particular doctrine, a, a, a major doctrine, something that's important, something that is established Christian doctrine, let's say resurrection. Somebody starts going off on that, and all of a sudden they say, well, you know, um, he resurrected, but he didn't really resurrect physically. Now we know there are plenty of scriptures to counter that. Now you've got a heresy going, uh, it can turn into a cultish thing too, but uh, and then there's apostasy. That's another thing. That that's a departure to stand away from uh, the Christian truth. That's to to know what the truth is and to totally depart from it. To know it mentally and then depart. That's apostasy. Definition of a heresy says, okay, um, what this particular doctrine is here. Uh, this this person starts going wrong with it, um, and what he does, whatever has been stated as far as scripture is concerned, and then down through history, we have a lot of um, sources to draw from. Uh, not only and scripture is the most important thing, but then that, those were defined. We have some helps through church history because of the creeds, because of the confessions, and they're going to cover. Those major doctrines. And when somebody starts swerving away, still staying in the church, but they're taking one doctrine and they're going too far with it or not enough with it or it's just a total different idea, they have developed a heresy. Now Luther was considered a heretic because he was seeing a different way of salvation than the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, he might have been a heretic to the Roman Catholic Church, but he was not a heretic according to the Word of God. He was lining up with that, and so therefore you have the Reformation. A heretic um, is not going to hold to a particular doctrine in the right way. Um, look in Galatians 1 8. And Paul had to counter heresies and false teachings a lot, and uh, whenever he addressed the Galatians because they were buying legalism. Uh, just like Pharisaism and a lot of the things that uh, the, the Judaizers were accomplishing. And he wrote to the Galatians in a scathing way. And in verse uh, 8 he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Let him be condemned. Uh, that's pretty uh serious.
2: So would the Immaculate Conception of Mary and the co redeemer status that she has in the Catholic Church be considered a heresy? Yes.
0: And when you have and and then you have a whole pulling away only using the same terms I know that some would get offended or disagree with me on this, but I would have to consider the Roman Church a cult, because of many of the pagan influences that have come into that. And boy, if you say that to anybody today, you get blistered, because how can you say that? There are Christians, there can be Christians in the Catholic Church, but... um, when you have heresy after heresy or a different way of salvation which they do you have to be baptized in the church you have to say prayers to mary you have to be in church once a week at least i mean you have all these and then yet what does the bible teach of how you're saved the most important element what's you're saved by grace through faith that and not of yourselves it's not through any church. It's through Jesus Christ. To me, that has gone totally away. They're outside the pale of what true salvation is. So that's why I say they are not uh, uh, just heretics. They, uh, they're, they're cults. And the, along with the JWs, the, the Mormons, the way, international, unity, theosophy, Christian science. Uh, the difference between cults and Uh, heresies we we see, but uh, what's a cult then? Well, it's a devotion to not only a belief, but uh, almost always cults have starters. They have somebody who starts it, a particular individual, and they exalt them to the top. That particular individual got a a personal revelation from God, and uh, whether it be Joseph Smith. And you'll notice a lot of the cults started in the 1800s along about the same time the Second Great Awakening was happening. But as these cults developed, uh, you, got, you always had a special revelation by a particular person, and uh, as time went on, they got more revelations. Oh, we, did, we used to do this, now we're not doing this. Uh, you take the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. You could have a blood transfusion. Then all of a sudden, one year they changed it, and now you can't have blood transfusions. <laughs> you know, just just things to di- divert you away from the the truth of, of God's word.
2: So then, one of the schemes would be to try to make us to think that everything's just okay. You know, yeah. yeah, that's
0: probably one of the best best ways. Sleeping, a lazy sleeping church. I think I think we see that in Revelation, don't we? Lazy sleeping church. Uh, A heretic can take an interpretation, have his own. Cults will have their founders who've had a revelation, and they go completely off. They don't agree with really hardly any doctrines that we believe in. They never believe in the deity of Christ. They uh, almost always uh, do not believe in a in a literal hell. Uh, you can go on and on. Just take that the Word of God. Usually, they have their own revelation along with the Word of God, but that it's rated higher over the Word of God. In the Catholic Church, you have not. This is not the authority. It's an authority along with the Magisterium of the Church and then traditions. And and right. That's that's where you always measure out uh, whether one is a they're from a cult or not. Ask them who, who Jesus is. Always start with that. Don't get caught up on all the other stuff. Find out who Jesus is. You can't go any further if you don't have agreement on that. Um, and then some take cults and, and they have a dead orth, uh, dead orthodoxy and um, you know people um, are not happy in a particular church and a cult comes along and they start uh, offering them happiness. Look... Uh, People uh, in the church sometimes look like wretches and they act like wretches and they're miserable and they're unhappy. A cult comes along and says, hey, here's what we have to offer over here. And all of a sudden it sounds really good. People get swept up by it. They, They actually have baptism. Oh, they do? Okay, well that sounds like where I've been, but you guys sound more loving. And boom, there they go. They're off into terrible teaching. So, you know... Cults are really uh, subjective, really more than uh, objective truth. Um, of course, the truth is the Word of God. Um, what time do I have? Five minutes. All right. Let's get into watching. All right. Number four here on your sheets. There. We have to watch out. I say, okay. You give me some really bad news here. Uh, I feel really uncomfortable. Well, what do I do? Well. As we look at uh, this text in Ephesians, uh, further on into that uh, area, he talks about us watching, be watchful to this end. That's right at the end of verse 18, with all perseverance. You really have to watch out for the schemes of the devil. He's very subtle. We've seen that. If you have an army, an army is engaged In a war, an army has to put out guards and sentinels and those guards are always watching and they have to be in every position. Front door, back door, side doors, whatever it is, they have to be guarding it carefully. And so that's what we have to do. We have to watch all directions. Be ready day and night. Be ready for the front door, the back door, the side doors, the front windows, the back windows, because however the enemy can get in, he will use that to go after you. So if you're in a real warfare, you're going to be guarded, aren't you? Be watchful. So how do we be watchful? Well, we have to start with this again, don't we? We come back to the Word of God. Of course, Paul is going to say that too as he finishes it up. He talks about prayer, and then he talks about uh, the Word of God. Um, The Scriptures. Uh, Don't forget the Scriptures. Be constantly in them and you'll learn about heresies there. You'll learn about uh, people that are going to come along with false doctrines tossed about by every wind and doctrine Ephesians 4 talks about. Prayer, we are to pray. We're not to faint. If you don't pray, you will faint. And that's, like we say there again, if we're sleeping, if we're fainting... Uh, the enemy can just push you over. Okay. Self-examination. Carolyn just mentioned that we need to look. at What happened? Okay, we had a battle. We didn't do so good with that battle. What happened? Well, we first of all we have to say, was I really? Have I been in the Word? Have I really been in? Have I been putting my armor on? <laughs> and if we start examine that, Second Corinthians thirteen five says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Uh it's good for Christians to do that too. Do we see where our weaknesses are? If you uh, uh realize that you have weaknesses, you have holes here where uh the uh the enemy's darts can get inside that armor. We've got to seal that up. What what is it, you know? So it's good to examine ourselves. Um what's the route of attack? Well, kind of where we look at it again, how does he how does he work? What's the mind? It's the chief one, right? He deceives us there. That's, that's where He gets us. The mind is the highest gift that man has. The mind is an incredible thing that God has given us. We were created in the image of God in that we can, we can think and reason. Um, we can communicate. Uh, that's things that God uh, does, the triune God. And He allows humans to do some of the things that He does. If you're Christians, then now we get a right view of how that is to be. And now we are new creations. And we are becoming into the image of who? Jesus Christ. The emotions. That's another route of attack. The feelings. The sensations. The desires. The moods. Somebody is really feeling low. And they're feeling lower every day. And then they start having a lot of physical problems. And those physical problems are driving them crazy. And they can't function right. And now it seems like they really don't have time to be in fellowship. They don't have time to read the Word. Uh, They're down and out. They're on the floor. Uh, The count is down to nine. I don't know. Depressed. The emotions are there. The emotions are leading. And what is supposed to be leading? Don't let your heart lead you, right? People say, follow your heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do the objective truth. Go back to the promises and say, Oh, I have the key. It's the Word of God. Here's the promise. Here's what He says. Here's how I beat the enemy. I put the armor on. Oh, I forgot. I didn't stand firm, did I? Think uh. on these things. Philippians 4, eight, right?
1: Yeah. The
0: things that are surrounding you. Because those that can overwhelm us, they can get so huge that now all of a sudden we cannot, we cannot battle. So the mind, the emotions, and of course the will or the actions, the very actions themselves, uh, what we do in practice depends mainly on our mind and our experiences, our emotions. So the will is going to follow what you think. How you think is what you're going to wind up doing. And so the devil attacks upon these three lines, and uh getting ready to close it out here it's It's eight o'clock um, imbalance Satan is the master of getting people unbalanced. God is the perfect balance perfect balance that's we we are always after that, aren't we a perfect balance and and of course, his word is. Um, If somebody neglects their mind and they build up their body and they get all sorts of muscles, um, but they're not able to really think any other way that 's just all they they're so consumed with building up their body <laughs> they don't have proper relations with people or their job or anything you know they're they're out of sorts they're they're imbalanced or what happens if you do everything for your mind you feed it boy, I mean you get intellectual and everything reading stuff and you don 't do anything for your body you don 't do exercise or anything see so we 're getting the whole man involved here mind emotions and will if the enemy can say okay i'm having trouble getting them here and here and here let's see maybe i can concentrate on oh he likes to read okay i'll get him into really reading getting get some more temptations uh, to to read maybe even some good stuff and He's become imbalanced because the rest of himself. The emotions are not there. What happens if you have orthodoxy, but you don't have emotions involved? You become dead orthodoxy. You don't have any life to the thinking. And so, therefore, that's why some churches can be very doctrinal, but there is no emotion involved. You need all the ingredients for the right proportions. If you're defending your country, you want to put the right amount into the army. You want to put the right amount into the navy. The right amount as far as the air force is concerned. Why do we have all of those? Because we can get attacked from the sea, from the ground, the air, and so we have all those. Uh, it, there's a balance. The Balance is so important. Intellectuals, need uh, they They do they tend to forget feelings and people who are on feelings and emotions tend to forget about the truth don't they anyway they put all their tensions on the uh, their experiences they look for the sensational things and a lot of the cults and even in Far outside um, churches today, they'll have all sorts of emotional things going on in there. Man, you should have been there last night. Five hundred people got saved, and we did this and we did that. You wouldn't believe how many miracles there were, and you know, there, I mean, things are just going. Wow, that's great, you know. And but there wasn't any preaching of the word. There's no teaching of the word. The word wasn't there. Say, so wonder if those things were really for real. Objective truth. What about that? So people love to sensationalize. They hate doctrine. I'd rather not go for the doctrine. I want to see these things happen. That is a baby, baby Christian at best. The devil tries to upset balance, variety. You ever looked at all the different kinds of foods we have? It is incredible. And just a, you know, we, we've got to have vegetables, right? We need we need other kind of vitamins from different things, and so we have this group and this food group and this food group. Guess where that came from? came from God. Uh, look at all the different colors he has. I'm looking at all the different colors out here. What if we all just wore white and that was it? Yeah. We still
1: have a lot
0: of colors. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the bottom of the ocean and start looking at all the different kinds of uh, fish there, right? Wow! All the different kind of animals we really don't ever see unless we look at um, uh, what uh, national? What is the uh, History Channel or
1: Discovery uh, Channel?
0: Discovery Channel, there. That's what I'm thinking of. My God is really tremendous when you start thinking about his uh, the way that he has made things in creation. Variety, unbelievable, and that's what he does with us. He has given us such variety. And we're all different, but yet even individually we have so many different interests that we have. But he's interested in the whole man, the mind, the body, the soul. All of that is what he has given us. But the devil will try to upset that. Have us concentrate on one of those things, emotions, or the body, or, or particular actions. And then all the whole, uh, different philosophies will wind us up here. Um, I think he said in Colossians two eight. Beware lest any man spoil th- through uh, philosophy and vain or empty deceit. Even man is doing that. But Satan works through that. He's over in charge of anything that's false teaching. Ultimately, it's coming from him. He's the prince of the power of the air. The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one, 1 John. So our supreme authority, God's revelation, right here. The Greeks stood for Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Remember those guys? People got so much into that during the the Greek realm. And of course, that's why Paul had to address the Corinthians, for instance, and other people at that time. He says in 1 Corinthians one twenty-one that the world cannot know God by its own wisdom. God is the one who reveals himself so that we can know him. He reveals to us. And um, this is a love letter to us personally. Personally to us. Spend a lot of time in it because this is how we get to know who our great God is. And that's how we can then uh, detect the counterfeit. If you know the truth, right? And you can find that.
2: Well... I think
0: that ends this particular session up and we'll take up the text uh, in its expository way starting in two weeks. Thank you guys for coming out and being quite the uh, encouragement to all of us. Anybody have anything to uh, to add? Yeah, we want to uh, put Joplin as an emphasis in our prayer tonight. Still at 116 as far as I know. 116 now. Anybody have any relatives in that area?